Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Tipsy Tennis Podcast. I am here with Jacob. He, I found him on the courts. He sucks, but he has some pretty good takes on professional tennis. So we're going to hear some of that today. Jacob, how are you doing? Good, Adam. Thanks for having me. Adam was teaching me how to hit a proper forehand. So check check that out when that drops that video. Um, yeah, I mean, we were just chopping it up for like what three hours maybe three hours 15 minutes waiting to play waiting forever to get on the courts talking about tennis adam and carvel friend partner we're passing out stickers tipsy tennis great idea tipsy tennis is going up wait for it uh in honor of tipsy tennis i got a couple beers right now we're about to shotgun these cheers to start off this episode i got a knife over here we are active at the Tipsy Tennis Podcast. Shout out Adam, shout out Tipsy Tennis, shout out Tennis. Shout out to the small kid who doesn't know how to fight. You know who you are. Cheers. Cheers. Good bruise. <coughs> Good bruise. So. Bro, you would think this gets easier, and the more you do it, it really doesn't. No, it's vile. Anyway, so, to get this podcast started, who do you think is going to win Wimbledon this year? It's tough, because obviously the one, two, and three, Djokovic, Carlitos, and Daniil are all going to be the overwhelming favorites, I'd say. Djokovic, I mean, you can't not acknowledge his excellent on grass for the past however many years. Of course, besides Federer, I would say he's number two. Alcaraz doesn't have that much experience, only has played in three tournaments ever, what I read today. On grass, right? On grass, yeah. Um, I mean, he's having a good season so far. He narrowly won the first round of... Uh, of Queens against I forget what it was but it went to a a, a tie break look this up in real time <clears throat> so he beat Rindernesh he beat Rindernesh in the third set breaker and he destroyed Lahechka today Lahechka a good young player I would say Berrettini he's washed up but he's obviously having some <laughs> issues with whatever off the court on the court He's withdrawing from all these matches because of chest pain, whatever it is. I mean, you you really have to go with Djokovic, right? But if he's not going to play in a tournament on grass until Wimbledon, then it's tough. Hopefully, what we can see, because obviously Alcaraz and Djokovic will be in two, one and two, two completely different um, sides of the draw, is you know them in a final to see them rematch their mm-hmm. quarterfinal. Um, <clears throat> I mean, their semifinal match at at Ar- you know, Garros. You know what I'm going to call right now? I'm going to call out. So, for me, Djokovic is the only contender for this title. I don't see anybody putting up a fight against him. And Alcaraz, I'm going to throw this out there. Early exit. Early exit? Before the, he's going to lose in the third round or earlier. Okay. I wrote a, a mini blog post for you. I mm-hmm. mean, not mini. It's like four pages long, oh, wow, which nice. will 
I'll send to you. I've got to edit it down, put it through ChatGPT, the works, you know. <laughs> um, but I have Djokovic as a third round exit. That's what I said in in the in the blog post because really? I mean, listen, like what you were saying, he was por- playing with the torn hamstring. Yeah. How long can he maintain that, really? You know. I mean, of course, he's the goat, right? He won last year. Oh my God, that Kyrgios, that Kyrgios Farms match. Of course, everyone was gunning for Kyrgios. Not everyone, but you know, some people. Um, the one thing I'd, I'd uh, say when it comes to clay, the not the clay court, the grass court season, is players that need to make the largest adjustments in their movement are the ones so, that are going to struggle okay. the most. Yeah, yeah. And like you, you look at a guy like Federer. His movement between hard court, clay court, and grass court, it doesn't really change too much. Obviously, it's different because of their adjustments he makes. But a guy like uh, Djokovic, he his movement is just so it's so efficient. I would say versus like a guy like Alcaraz, even though he moves amazingly, it's very explosive and it's not very efficient. And we saw that exactly happen during the French Open. Yeah. And so guys like yeah. that, I think, struggle on grass court. And then you have the bigger guys who have like the big serves and the serve and volley. It's like Berrettini, you mentioned Kyrgios. Cressy. Cressy, I think he's gonna he's gonna stand out. Uh, Struff. Struff, I think he's gonna break out. I think Struff is gonna great make it to season. the quarters this year. Great season, great uh, season. But my dark horse for this tournament, I'm gonna say, is Yannick Sinner. Yannick? Only because he is like a almost like a parallel to like a younger Djokovic. Okay. He has very short strokes, so he's able to, you know, to he doesn't let he doesn't get pushed back very easily. Yeah. If he could have a really good transition game that, during Wimbledon, you know, like coming from the baseline to the net and he could finish. I don't I don't Does see anybody though? who can. Does he? We'll I, see. I don't see him come to the net. He I doesn't know, come to the net often. His his cross court forehands are rippers. Yeah. Always. I personally think he's too. He needs to put on some weight. Mm, small guy doesn't he, know how to fight. He's small. He gets injured a lot. I mean, he's always having something shit wrong with him. My dark horse for Wimbledon, Seb Korda. Watch oh, it, yo. That's I wanted yeah. to talk about him today. Yeah, yo, he class. released in a press conference. I just saw. I just saw that. Yeah. He's like, he's, I I'm think I'm a favorite. favorite. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Which I, I don't know. I mean, uh, given Tiafo had a long week last week in Stuttgart, um, he beat. Uh, Leonard Jan Ellerstroof in the in the finals at in in Jan's home. Um, that was a. I don't know if you saw that match. I've third, been keeping up too much recently. Third set breaker, insane match point. Um, I, I can't even explain. It was class. Um, but Seb moves well on grass. I mean, given I don't really play tennis, so I don't know too much about you know the. the the movement and everything. I mean, I, I I understand it, but I can't speak from a, a first person um, perspective. I'm I'm sure you could, but I, I don't know. I think he's probably uh, ranked around 34 right now. Corda. Corda. Yeah. Um, 32, 34. Right? Currently, 32. 32. Yeah. So I mean, listen, like he who who did he beat first round in uh in 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 Halle? Offner. Oh, no, no, this was our. This is, no, this is this French is, Open. This is French Open, yeah. My boy Offner taking out Seb Corda. The boy Offner. Bro, the, the he, Wolfgang Connect. Bro, he broke into the top hundred. He's twenty-seven years old. Like this guy is like a journeyman. People don't know him, but he's he's been grinding on tour, and I'm I'm really happy that he finally uh, broke through. 
He, so Corda uh, beat Tiafo. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, he, he and Evans, bro. Evans, Evans nah, is a nah, tricky nah. player to play. I, I, he's tough to play, especially on grass. He's he's a big uh, slice every shot, every shot backhand. Yeah, I mean he's clean, of course, but I, he hasn't had a great season. I know. Um, this stat line seven six six three Corda against Tiafo doesn't reflect how dominant Corda uh, was, in my opinion. I, he had like fourteen or fifteen aces. Um, which I don't really see him as too big of a. Yeah, look, looking 15, at fifteen aces. Looking yeah. at the stats, <clears throat> he, he does. I, I don't see him as that big of a you know ser, serve serve guy. I mean, it clearly Listen, he does though. Win percentage on his first, first serve ninety percent. Wow! So yeah. almost every single time he got a first serve in, he was winning the point. And then Tiafo, he's sixty seven percent on the first serve and sixty four on the second serve. And, however, though, Korda on his second serve was 52%. Okay, so yeah. He needs to get his first serves in. Um, This is a question that I had thinking to the grass season right now. Who do you think, if there's one player, who do you think has the most swag, finesse? No, no, not finesse. Swag on tour based on something that they wear, an action that they, you know, take... Or like what their walkout, whatever it is. Who do you think? I have someone in mind. Who do you think? I mean, I think the most obvious choice is Kyrgios. Okay, of course. But uh, if we want to step back away from him, because he also isn't isn't really yeah. playing. He had like a first round exit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not even sure if he's going to play Wimbledon. Yeah. Uh, the next swaggiest player, I would say, is between... I would say it's between Tiafo. And Dimitrov. Okay. Dimitrov is a swaggy player. He's, yeah, he's yeah, low yeah. key. He, you know, one thing that actually really surprised me, and nobody has talked about this at all. Here's another beer. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, nobody has talked about this at all. I mentioned it like in uh, in in one of my stories on Instagram, on uh, at Tipsy Tennis. You should follow it. Tipsy Tennis Podcast. Tipsy Tennis Podcast. Uh. He switched over to Lacoste. Yeah, I saw that. And he was like... Like, like a month ago. Yeah, for the French Open. From uh, from Nike. Nike, yeah, yeah. And that was such Apparently. a weird... Swag. I was not expecting that yeah. because, ki- like, Dimitrov is always wearing, like, the the loudest clothes. Of he course. has a very loud fashion yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. And Nike was, like, really driving it. And I feel like it's very, it's very he's stepping back and being a little bit more conservative and I would say maybe classier... With Lacoste. Do you know who else is Lacoste? Uh, Djokovic is Lacoste. Djokovic. Medvedev is Lacoste. Um, Roddick was Lacoste. Roddick. I remember. Yeah. I, I was never really a big fan of Roddick growing up. Okay. But man, did I... I like When I was a little kid, it was like my dream to have a Lacoste polo. Oh, yeah. Like, I really wanted oh, to. Yeah. And <laughs> finally, when I started working, and I, I was making my, because I was always asking my parents for... Uh, I'm like, hey, can I get one of these? And they're like, they're expensive. Yeah. And I was always wearing like handy downs for my brother and like for my cousins and stuff like that. Of course. And when I finally got like a Lacoste polo, I'm like, oh, this, this is, is it. I've made it. Um, Swaggiest player. So I'd say it's between Tiafo and Dimitrov. How about you? Just because the season he's having, and of course, I, I love the swag Tiafo plays with as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think whenever he loses. Or or whenever he wins, honestly, his handshake at the net with the players, he with with you know his his opponent is always so hard. He's like, 
so hard, like mm-hmm. quick, you know? It's like it like almost seems like it hurts. I love him. Um I think Jari, Nicholas Jari. That Nicholas that no, that nose strip that he wears every match to keep his sinuses open. He's he's inside the top 50 now. He's a Chilean. He's a Chilean, he's a big Chilean. He he's playing right now. Yesterday he beat Tsitsipas in straights, 7-6-7-5. I mean, given Tsitsipas is 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 you know, in a whirlwind with his whole girl, Paula Bedosa <laughs> and everything. Uh, Zverev, Jerry, tomorrow, that's going to be a good match. Also, I like the way Zverev plays on, I mean, on, on grass. I, I like how he plays in general, you know. I, I, I have heard that people don't like him. The biggest issue I always had with Zverev is he's a huge guy and he doesn't play like a big guy. He, he rallies way too much. Uh, his strokes should be way more penet- like Sinner has more penetrating strokes than Zverev. True. That is true. And like you know, to give a comparison, I would say he, like another big guy that he could emulate. He's retired now, but Thomas Burdick. Yeah, I know Burdick. Yeah. I think that you know Burdick was a big guy with big strokes. Like he sets up his forehand really well, and when he tees off. It, it goes flying. Same thing with, like, Del Potro. Yeah. Like, big guy who's able to just tee off they have Berrettini. Like, they have mass, though, all of them. All of them are able to tee but off. But Zverev doesn't really he have He just mass. can't tee off. For, he's he's built up his mass in the last few years. Yeah. Like, he, he was always kind of, like, a skinny guy. But there was... You have, like, small guys who are able to tee off. And Zverev, I just feel like he was never really able... Like, he yeah. never found that gear to just, like, I'm set up right now, and I'm just going to, like... You know, kind of not a slap, but just kind of like whip the forehand and like yeah. do whatever he wants. Like sock, for example, sock. Yeah, he yeah. can tee off. Yeah, yeah. And he's he he's not been. a he's not a huge guy either. You saw. Also, let me preface this by saying I've only been following tennis for about two and a half years, but it's pretty much all that I, you know, like to do now. Every morning, every night with my girl, she knows what time it is. She's like, "You want to you want to watch your highlights?" I'm like, "Yes." Every single night, <laughs> YouTube, tennis TV, whatever tournament it is, they have nine minute. Highlights, they only show like three to four matches, the highlights of them. But I love those. The best. The yeah. best. Um, Sock, I don't know if you saw, but he's like transitioned to professional pickleball now. He's 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 fully transitioned. He's gone through transition operation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> bro, it's it's cra- I mean, he, Ivan uh, e- uh, Gakov, I don't know if you know who he is. Gakov. They played in a, one of these uh, hard... Florida tournaments. I want to say it was like Delray. Or Delray, something. yeah, Delray, something like that. Um, and Gakov is is a real estate investor. Yes, that, that guy, guy, that guy. Yeah, who just like randomly came on tour one day, got the wild card, I guess, and beat Sock in in straights, mm-hmm. or maybe it was three. I don't know what it was, but after that, Sock was kind of like, okay, I, I gotta do something else. He got a he, he him and Isner got the wild card in doubles for Wimbledon. Which is pretty cool. So Sock, so, I mean Sock, he's a he's a really good doubles player. Yeah, he they, was top ten. They've, he was top they've 10. had they've had titles. Isner yeah. and Sock together. Uh, Sock, there, there's like that old adage where it's like if you can't if you can't play teach and if you can't teach teach gym, or in this case it's like if you can't play teach and if you can't teach you play pickleball. Yeah, and that's exactly. Like, I mean Noah Rubin, he's made the transition as well. Uh, Query, he retired from tennis. Yeah, of and now he's playing pickleball. Is he really? Yeah, he's, he's a big guy too. Yeah, yeah, he he was like pff, top ten. He made it to I think the semis of the Wimbledon even one year. So I'll, one more question for yep. you: 
who do you think, in terms of the build-up in the New Age, is the biggest disappointment on tour? Uh, New Age... You last say couple like, years. Uh, we'll say for the last five years. You know, that's a tough question to answer because there was... We're we're exiting an era right now. Yeah, fully. And you know, even like the guys like everybody was always talking about like Tsitsipas, uh Zverev, Berrettini, Medvedev is kind of yeah, in that category yeah, yeah. as well. And they it was very tough for them to break out because like they're always losing to like the you yeah, know the, the big three, Fed, Fed Nadal Djokovic. <laughs> and now it's a little bit more open. Uh, is it? Is it though? It's it's more open in the sense that you don't know who's gonna win. Yeah. The competition is still just as high. Uh, but I mean, Tsitsipas. I was following him since he was like nine, eighteen, nineteen years old. I remember when he first won Estoril. Okay. Uh, the the yeah, clay court, the first the first yeah, clay court tournament of the season back when he was like 19 years old or something like that and I was watching it on a tennis TV where like nope he wasn't even getting any coverage I'm like yo this guy he's sick and 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 he has really good movement I'm not so he has good movement I'm not so uh impressed by his strokes but like the way he moves is is very like Federer like where like very wide steps uh, or wide legs you know try to take a few steps always trying to like hit into it the straight arm yeah. as well I feel like his his backhand is unreliable Am I mistaken? Yeah, you know the thing the thing that I see with Tsitsipas that's different between like like the like the top guys, let's say let's take like David Ferrer, for example. Okay. Not a huge guy. He was like he was in the top 10 for like a decade. Yeah. And a guy like Ferrer, even though he's small and you need to have this when you're small, he had grit. Yeah. He course. had fucking grit. Like who where, would you compare him to now? I would compare him to Alcaraz. No. Nah, we like. Who's gritty right now? Who's like who's who's some player that just like sticks around? Like no matter how much you try to like kick him away, like he just sticks around no matter what. Yeah. Like there's not there's not many players like that. One thing actually, when I say about grit though, uh, Taylor Fritz. Yeah. I think he made a nice transition in the last couple of years where he was like, he, he, I mean, he had a lot of stuff going on in his personal life as well. You know he had a kid? Yeah, exactly. I found that out today. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Like, I, I think like at 20 years old 19, or something. 19. 19. Yeah. Uh, but like, after that, Fritz, Fritz found this like grit to him where it's like, kind of like Nadal. I mean, Nadal, I would say is like the, 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 the most obvious example of it, of somebody who's just gritty, who just... Grind, who just grinds yeah. and so like you know Tsitsipas he doesn't have grit no. Zverev has a little bit Medvedev like high to- high rally tolerant yeah. yeah yeah and just like doing whatever it takes to just get one more ball in even though you think you're gonna lose the point you just get that extra ball in of course and like one out of maybe 10 or one out of 15 you win the point yeah but like it's better than zero of course yeah. and so you just gotta do it anyway and you know there, and I think Tsitsipas he he really you know I'm, I keep talking 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 about Tsitsipas I'm gonna say he's my biggest disappointment just to answer your question yeah yeah because 
you know, not only is like, you know, he's got, he's a good player. He's got good strokes. He's got a good team around him, but he, he doesn't have that grit. You were seeing it, especially now, now that he's distracted with his new girlfriend. Yeah. But then also like last year at uh, Wimbledon where he had a complete mental breakdown against Kyrgios. I remember, yeah. Like, oh my God. that's I not, was... and you know, speaking uh, to kind of like lead onto that point as well, because I find this kind of funny. Uh, I don't think he's going to listen to this, but even if he, if he does, Alex Kovacevic, I fucking Let's love go, you. Alex. I grew up, I grew, I, up, you tell me I grew up playing juniors with him. Uh, I played him in like a in a under 14s tournament at Randall's Island. Uh, he kicked my ass, and then we we're ball boys for the U.S. Open together. And then we'd see each other at, at some tournaments. He was much higher, like uh, ranked than me, and he was more focused on like the sectionals and nationals. I was, I always struggled in those bigger bigger yeah. tournaments. But every time I went, I'd say we'd see each other, we'd say hi, we'd hang out, um, you know, in between matches. But the funniest thing, he's Serbian. Yeah. I was talking to my Serbian friend, the guy I was talking about earlier, who who played. Uh, he's uh, episode three of Tipsy Tennis Podcast. Nenat Radakovic. He played against Djokovic when they were in juniors. Good friends with Troitsky, and so he has like you know the Serbian pride to him. But after so Kovacevic made it to the first round of of French Open, which was he's I think twenty two years old, was the first time he got to a main draw yeah. of a Grand yeah. Slam. He's gone. To, he's played all the qualities. Yeah, yeah. But first time, and he plays Djokovic in the first round. I mean, this year, honestly, yeah, this year. Yeah, I, I remember watching that. Uh, honestly, I wouldn't even be upset if I had to play Djokovic in my first, yeah, the first course. time, even though it's like, oh, I finally made it. Oh shit! Now I gotta play this guy. That's just like a memorable moment, moment in our lives. But I was following him on Instagram, and the like, literally, like a few days later after he lost, he was partying in Mallorca, <laughs> and out of boy, Alex, out of boy. But this is what my friend said. He's like, you know, even though he lost first round and now, you know, he, he probably got a big paycheck and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, go enjoy your life. You know, that's, that's what it is. But, and here's the difference between, here's the thing that separates the good from the great. The good, here's what separates the, top, the big three, big four from everybody else. No fucking shot. Yeah, no. Are you ever going to see... Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, or Murray partying in Ibiza. You know, something like that. Yeah. No, they're back on the court. And that's the first thing that he said. He's like, yo, like, it doesn't matter if you lost. Like, you would never see that from one of those guys. And if you're trying to, if you're trying to be just like a good player and make it on tour, play, you know, make a paycheck, you hear that, you know, like Kyrgios is one of those guys. He just goes, makes his money and then goes home. You know, that's fine. But if you're trying to like strive for greatness, you just can't be doing that shit. Yeah. And I, I'm not. That's I don't mean that by any disrespect, Alex. Live your fucking life. But Federer, Nadal, Djokovic would never do that. Yeah, and that's true. you know that's that's I would I would tie that back into the grit. You yeah, know yeah, the grit isn't only on court. Yeah, the grit fully, is off. The, and fully. this is why I say Fritz. After he had that kid and he dealt with all of the, all of the shit in his personal life, he carried that grit over and onto the court. And this is where I'm starting. You're starting to see like Fritz is is showing up, top ten in the world right now. He yeah, had a great yeah. Indian Wells hardcore last yeah, year. Yeah, like you know, it's it. Everything is. You you, you got to work. You got to be gritty like all around the court. Totally. And a lot of players just don't 
have that you know they there's the social media the media the amount of money that they're making oh, now yeah. through stuff like that it's very easy to get distracted and you know that's that was like one thing that i think really st- stood out between like the the greats you know what th- who i think has grit who demonor so fucking gritty i haven't heard anything from him though in the last few months he, has he been has he, he been injured no he's, he's just, this, this he's is just his, losing this is his first good tournament he beat schwarzman in straights today third round of uh either queens or Halle. in terms of most disappointing player for me <laughs> damon r i'm no uh yeah he beat he mopped murray and schwarzman too that's tough because murray was just won two challenger titles in a row in nottingham and uh Wherever, He's but playing Manorino next. Yo, Manorino's Manorino my other star. Class, bro. He's so good on grass. He Manorino just beat a today actually. Manorino beat a yeah. He beat oh, Fritz. He beat Fritz. He beat Fritz. Fritz is having a tough go recently. Oh, so my biggest disappointment on tour. This whole like, you you remember? So for tipsy tennis, I'm a huge Alcaraz guy. Like was jacking Alcaraz way before his first ever challenger match versus Pedro Martinez back in 2021 I think it was or 2020 I saw and I was like told all my friends I texted my group and I said this guy's gonna be number one watch none of my friends really knew tennis but the ones that did were like oh you're you're crazy you're this you're that and he made it I love the guy I think as time has gone on his 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 humbleness has very humble but it's kind of turned to arrogant in my opinion he's like saying stuff like oh i'm i'm the favorite to win the french open which he was don't get Mm -hmm. me wrong he totally was but i think a a fully super humble person would not say that i don't know maybe maybe i'm mistaken if you know you're the shit you're gonna say you're the shit back to the most disappointing next gen finals him versus Nakashima. I don't know if you saw that, but that's the thing that got everyone onto him. That one 17, 18 shot rally where he like just going back and forth. Stupid. Nakashima is dog shit. He is. Dog I love B Nak. I, I don't. Oh come on! Don't say Sh- that. Shapo, Shapo too. Shapovalov. He's a disappointment. There were. <laughs> Horrible. He hasn't made it past the second round in like 14 straight tournaments. You know, one... So bad. I think one thing that is different about this era of tennis that you can't really compare to any of the other eras is the amount of media that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to get distracted so by easy. all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so whenever... And I think the same thing happened to like Tsitsipas, Zverev, these guys where uh, it, it, it's so easy for it to get to their head. And there's so many distractions, whereas like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, it wasn't no. quite like that. And it's, I, it's, it's, it's tough to break out like that, but also I never, even when like Tsitsipas, I remember when he beat Federer at the Australian Open and then he's like, and then he followed up, followed that up with a win against Batista Gut. Mm. And in he the, fell off too. And at, he, he's old though. He's old. He's old. Yeah. He's, he's, he, he's, he's put in his miles to earn, you know, he can do whatever the fuck he wants at this point, Mm -hmm. but just like Gasquet, go on. Gasquet. Yeah. Um, so like the, the difference in the air is there's a lot more distractions, but I never really weigh too much on people who are under, I would say like 20, 
22, 23 years old. I, like, sure, they'll be good, but the difference that I see between a guys like Alcaraz and, like, Federer Nadal Djokovic is the longevity of their career. Because Alcaraz, he plays one tournament, and then he's injured, and he has to miss the next one. And, like, you look but at... But that's not true. You can look at... He's only been injured a couple times. He's 19 years old. He shouldn't be injured at all. I mean, he when he's grinding for every single point, like, he yeah. has grit. He has grit. He will never let him... So few winners get hit on him because... Is that correct terminology? Yeah. yeah. Because... Because... Of his grittiness. I mean, yes. Nadal wasn't injured when he was 19 years old. He started getting injured when he was like 26 years old. That's when he started to like take some breaks. And looking looking at another guy like Del Potro, this motherfucker won the U.S. Open at 19 years old. Alcaraz won at 18. And like Alcaraz, uh, and you know, look at a guy like uh, Del Potro. He was injured for the rest of his career. He could. He was never able to to get back to the thing. And if he will, if he didn't go, he had like a wrist ter- surgery, then other wrist surgery, knee surgery, the other knee, a whole bunch of stuff going on. If he wasn't getting injured like that, he would have been a real fucking stick in the big three's side. That, yeah. And you know, there's so much potential there, but you really, you know, you just gotta wait it out. So you know, looking at a guy like Tsitsipas as well, like everybody was like, oh, he's the next big big thing. This is the next gen. He's gonna. You know, these guys are going to carry the sport, but it's like, no, let's just observe. Let's sit and wait because we got to wait years. This isn't just like, a you know, you can't, you can't jump to conclusions so quick. You got to like, you know, see And the fact that like Federer, for example, has never retired from a match. He's been never, he's never retired. Every single match that he's played, he's finished. That is, that's, that is class. He's had his like injuries and he's, he took time off tour and stuff like that. I didn't know that. And like crazy. And that's just like one insane stat. It doesn't really, you know, speak to the greatness of him, but it speaks to the fact of how he was able to manage his body manage yeah. his schedule, you know, yeah, the way yeah, he was yeah. training, you know, not be, not going too hard versus like a guy like Alcaraz, he, he's fucking redlining it the entire season yeah. or, you know, whenever he's training or playing, but you could only redline for so long. Yeah, sure, yeah. And, you know, the things that separated Nadal Djokovic and Federer is like they were able to win without redlining against each other. Or I mean, I guess each other, they were redlining, but like against everybody else, they didn't need to. And like... Tennis is a very, you know, particular sport where there's no clock to run out. You need to get to match point and you need to win match point. And I remember watching, like, Nadal Medvedev U.S. Open final. Nadal was up two sets. And I remember... Medvedev was up two sets. uh, Medvedev was up two sets. No, no, no. Nadal was up two sets. Medvedev. When Medvedev and Nadal were in the... Oh, Australian Open. No, U.S. Open. Oh, U.S. Open. And I remember specifically telling my friend... I'm like, yo, this match can be done in 20 minutes or two hours. Yeah. And it took another two hours. And that's, that's like the, the, the mental fortitude to, you know, you got to be running. You're, you're, you're redlining it for an unknown amount of time so, in moments like that. So and like, not only is it like a huge toll physically, but it's a huge toll mentally. mentally. Just crazy, like, you, I'm sure. you know, you lose the first two sets and you talk and you have that conversation with yourself. It's like, if I need to, if I want to win this match. I need to win three sets in a row right now. Yeah, and each crazy. set is only going to get tougher and tougher when you're playing against these top guys because they, they're closers. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, Medvedev wasn't able to pull it out in that one. But, I mean, he put on a show. He, he put on a match. 
I like I like how he plays. I yeah. Like plays. I also think. Um, well, first off, Alcaraz, <laughs> just quick. He's gonna he's gonna get the Grand Slam record. That's me. What I think. Second off, watch out. Two people, in my opinion, who are super super good young players who literally just need to be build fitness, and then they could be number one and within the top ten. Holger Runa and Jack Draper. Jack Draper is injured right now, but he's a Brit who's so good on grass. Class, lefty, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Like shots. Well, yeah. He well, needs to. He, except he gets gassed so out. Cox? He, what? He has a nice cock. Nice cock. Super nice. Is it a nice cock or nice shot? Nice shot. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, he he can't play best of five because he gets gassed after two sets always. He was up on Nadal in something. I got. I don't know. I don't remember what it was. It was. Oh. Um. He was up. He was up two sets. I remember it was yeah Nadal first round Australian Open this year. He was up and he was winning. He and then he just he started cramping. Yeah, that he started he cramps cramping all the time. Hogaruna, if he can maintain his legs are huge. His legs are fucking huge. And when it's hot, he cramps. If he can get some shit with his coach, also I don't know if you like I, I don't really know coaches, but Patrick Moratoglu. Mm-hmm. Is his coach, even though they said they were like leaving each other. Patrick is still at every one of his matches, coaching him, all this stuff. If they can figure something out together, he could actually be number one. He is so good, so good. Every every piece of his game is complete. Literally. Can I tell you a story about Rune? My story about with Rune. So he blocked me on Instagram. I would say he's super active on Instagram. He likes all the comments. He responded to my DM one time. I, I would I wouldn't know. So in uh, this was uh. So you remember when he had that thing with uh Vavrinka, where Vavrinka was like, "You're acting like a little kid, yeah, or like a baby on court." Uh, so I found a meme, and it wasn't even my meme. It was like ATP memes page on on Instagram, where it was a picture of Titipas and Rune next standing next to each other, and uh, under Titipas it said "small kid who doesn't know how to fight," and then under Rune it was like a baby baby on court, something like that. So I, I, I like I reposted it on my story and I tagged Tsitsipas and Rune. And Rune saw it and immediately blocked me on really? Instagram because I posted something and I had like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star playing in the background or something like kind of like making fun so of it. But like I I'm like man, are you serious? Yeah, like are you? Re- yeah, yeah. He's clearly insecure about it. I post I post like I've posted some like jokes around about all the a, lot, a bunch of other players as well, uh, and I tag them because I want them to see it. And sometimes I do see it. Uh, like for example, like, uh, there's this like one post where like Kakanakis was like standing with like two boys, and this is when he got like a buzz cut, okay, yeah. and his head looked like a fucking egg. Yeah. And so I had I, I reposted it. It had Kakanakis in the middle, and his two friends. I just put an egg on their face, and like he saw it, and like he I'm making fun of the fact that he looks like an egg. Did he respond? No, he didn't respond. But like at least he didn't block me. Yeah, and because okay. Runa, he's a little he's a little kid. He's 20, and he I don't know if you've seen because you don't see his Instagram. He is so sus with his sister. I'm so serious. They comment hard eyes on. He comments hard eyes on her photos. He goes, "I love you." Like they post the weirdest photos together, like holding head. He's a weirdo. He's a weirdo. Okay, so the top ten, right? It's in no particular order: Djokovic, Alcaraz, Rune, Fritz, Tiafo, Rublev, 
Sinner. Yeah, Titsipas, Sinner, Rude, Medvedev. Chorich is 14? Chorich is going crazy. What? Yeah. What? And all, so, out of these 10 people, the only people who I actually could see ever winning a Grand Slam, ever, I mean, as much as I love Rublev and everyone loves Rublev, he's, we were talking about this the other day, he's never winning a Grand Slam. He's never won one. No. He, how? How? How could he pos- How could he possibly get get past? Because let's let's say he's still ranked seven. He'll have to play Alcaraz and then Djokovic probably. There's no chance he's getting past both both of them. Zero chance. It's I mean, a, it's it, it's impo- It is impossible. He can't. I mean, statistically he's, speaking, let's say like Rublev is one of those guys where you can count on him getting to the quarters m- more times than not. Of course, not. yeah. And, and done. And, you know, strictly, let's say... Losing straights. <laughs> You're losing straights. He's, his, Tissipas is a baby. I don't like him. He said Rublev's play is one-dimensional. That's what he said. He's not wrong. Like, Rublev, sure, he has a good backhand. He has a good you forehand, know, but he's so predictable. Every time he's about to try and hit a winner, he goes, oh! And then, hit, and then it hits it. He has nothing. No drop shot, no net play, nothing. Yeah. You know, I agree with you on that point, but the thing is, when you have a guy who's able to consistently get to the quarters of of the Grand Slams, let's take out the fact of like favorites or not, he has a twelve and a half percent chance of winning the tournament once he gets to the quarters. There's only eight other people or seven other people, and so one eighth is seven and a half percent. He needs to win, you know, from there three more matches. I don't know, like if you keep on getting to the quarters. Like, I feel like eventually you're going to break through. And, like, looking back in the last, let's say, 20 years, you have guys like Ferrer, uh, Burdick, um, Gasquet, Verdasco, who are always able to get to the quarters and the semis and sometimes even the finals. And they were never able to win because they were always dealing with the big three. How did team win? How did team win? He played Zverev, no? (laughs) It was COVID US Open. Oh, was it? Okay. No crowds. So it's different. It was, yeah, yeah it was, like the, it was like a little NBA bit different. Too, when, but like, you know, looking at a guy like Team, like let's say he didn't get injured. I mean, he made it to French Open Finals two times in a row. Did he? The first time he did it, he lost straight sets to it at all. And then the second time he got there, the following year, he won a set. That's progress. Okay. And like... He's never getting back and there one, ever again, ever. He's losing on the Challenger Tour. I, I mean, this is post-injury. You know, let, you know sure, let's talk about pre-injury. And like, you, one thing that... People don't, I don't think people recognize when it comes to Grand Slams of how important and how difficult it is getting to the second week to be like... For the mental? For the mental, yeah. yeah. Like, do you know how, you know, just stepping on court, like into the quarterfinals, into the semis, it's nerve-wracking. Of course. And these top guys, they do it time and time again. And for them, it's like, yeah, you know, I bet they feel nervous, but it's kind of like been there, done that. And for and it's tough. And so when you have a guy like Rublev who's all consistently getting to the second week, he's building that kind of like that confidence, that kind of like habituation of being there. And once you and once you stop thinking about that, you're able to think about what you need to do, and that's win. That's play your best tennis. You're not thinking about holy shit, I'm in the second week of the U.S. Open, and also not. It's the mental part, but it's also the physical part. Yeah, like course. it is tough. Is taxing for it's sure, tough man. to play two weeks straight yeah, like that. Three out of five, and you know, even especially if some of the matches are going five hours long. Yeah. 
I, I remember at uh, the U.S. Open, I went to qualifiers this year. And I remember I was sitting in, like, the upper row. I was watching Jan Leonard Struff, I want to say, against, like, one of these, like, Dominic Stricker or, or one of these, or Giles Brower, if you know him. Oh, He's some, God. whatever. It was qualifying. And I was saying something to my friend, and I was like, I thought this guy, I thought he was supposed to be good. And then I see this guy right in the first row of the upper deck look back and, like, give me a little look. And it happened to be his trainer. Oh, shit. <laughs> and now he's gone crazy. He's ranked 24. 21. Yeah, he's old as 20. well. He's old. He's in his 30s. Yeah. And he's just now, this is the high, his highest ranking ever. If he beat Tiafo, he'd have been inside the top 20. But, you know, 21 is pretty fucking good. I mean, listen, let, if we go... Also, South, South American tennis right now, Schwartzman, no. Baez, no. Jerry, Sarundalo, and uh, Etreveri. Do you know Etreveri? And then the the Brazilian dude, Saiboth. Saiboth Wild, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all going pretty crazy right now. I mean, Baez, I saw someone say Baez is going to win Roland Garros at least one time. Come on, are you serious? Uh, He, no, he would never, but he also has grit. He he does have grit. Yo, the South Americans, they have grit. Yeah, yeah. Sarundalo, so. No, it is. Any. Any country or any culture that develops their players around clay court clay, yeah, are gonna have way more, yeah, way yeah, more yeah. grit. Especially Americans because we they grow up playing on hard courts yeah. and like at any moment you could just if you want to end the point you'll just try to smack a winner. Yeah. And if it's in you win the point and if it's out you lose the point. Yeah. Whereas like on clay court you try to smack it if it's in they get it it's not necessarily yeah. you're gonna win the point. Yeah. Uh, it's not kind of like that coin toss. Uh. Those are the guys that have grit. And I remember there's this one guy I used to teach tennis with. And this is back in my days when I liked to, when I was betting on tennis. I don't bet anymore for the last two years. Uh, and I don't condone it at all. Anybody who gambles, I strictly am against it in any it's, way, yeah, shape, or form. It's fucking terrible. But when I was doing it, I was talking about it. I'm like, oh, who do you think for this match? And uh, it, was, it was like the clay court season. He's like, any Italian... On clay court, you got to bet a, bet for. Bet for. Bro. And he's like, all they do is run around and eat pasta. And the pasta gives him the fucking carbs and energy to run around. And, <laughs> Who and, was it? Who was playing? Man. Uh, Travaglia. Travaglia. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He was playing some, like, random thing. And he was playing, like, a top top player. I think it... Uh, maybe not so top. Maybe it could have been, like, uh, I think Stefano it was him. Travaglia, yeah? Yeah, it was him and Kukushkin. Kukushkin, the, Kukushkin. The, the, the Kazakh. And Kukushkin was like, you know, like... He's old, too. He's also old. He's, he's a journeyman. Uh, they were, like, playing as, like... Nobody knew about Travaglia yeah. just yet, because this is, like, two, two, three years ago. And the guy was just like, nah, the Italian. I'm like, really? This is, like, top 20 player or top 30, was whatever. He, was he really about, yeah. And Kukushkin's. I mean, I ended up I bet on Kakushkin because I was just like, nah, this is the better player. And then the Italian ended up winning. And then ever since that, I started really focusing on like the Country. the Italian players. Yeah. And like, Mosetti. I mean, Cecchinato. Remember when he made it? He made it to he, the semis. He played. He just had a good two good tournaments, three good tournaments, and people were like, his career is back. And now I don't I don't know where he is. Probably cha- grinding challengers, but yeah. Man, the tour right now is so tough. So tough. Like, like look at like Greeks four one last week in S S Hertzenbosch, his home country. Atreveri's playing so 30, good. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, these... I haven't looked at this in, in in the standings in a while. I'm I'm a little shocked. Like like Sonego, I feel like should be higher. He he's yeah I, yeah. I mean, listen, Fucking Shelton is 35 in the so world. So that's the thing about Shelton. Bro. So the three people I said to my boys, Jack Draper, Alcaraz, and Shelton, before they were anyone. Ben Shelton, I could pull up the text right now. He was 500 something in the world. He had just won his first challenger match. Don't ask me why. I was this was in November it. last year, no. or December last year. Of November, yeah, it was November, December. It was end like of last end year. of October. End of October. End of October, November. early November last year. He just played his first challenge. Only three in a row. Four in a row. Four in a row. Three, three or four in a row. Yeah, but he was going crazy, and I was like, "This guy is him. He's so good. He's thirty-five because he has no points to defend, obviously. Mm-hmm. But he's only good on hard, right? Like clay, he lost like six in a row. Mm-hmm. Grass, he won. He lost last week, first round. This week, he beat JJ Wolf. Only his third mm-hmm. ever. Third, oh no! This was this was Ben Shelton's first week. It was it was his first ever grass court match professionally, and JJ Wolf's third ever grass court mm-hmm. professionally. He beat JJ, and then yesterday he lost to Lucetti in in three. It was a good match, but regardless, everyone is so high on Ben Shelton, and the fact that he's an American who's new and good, the mainstream media is trying to promote him so much. It's it's wild. There's so many better. I love Tommy Paul. Tommy Paul I, is... I, I think that's to his disadvantage that everybody's trying to jump on this band, bandwagon. Because now there's going to be expectations. Fully. There's going to be pressure. A guy like Tommy Paul, for example, is just kind of like... Or Corda. They're just kind of... Or Cressy. Look at this. 15 They're Tommy able Paul. to just... Just coast on, you know, under yeah. the radar. Oh, yeah. And like, you know... Cressy, Cressy's bad. He lost eight, eight straight, I think. That That's not great. But one thing I would say, like, if I could have one player's career... Mm-hmm. It would be Thomas Burdick. Because he never left the top 10 for like a decade. He was always up there. He was always losing the quarters and the semis to these top guys. And, you know, yes, he didn't. He wasn't able to win anything major. He got to one Wimbledon final. And uh, I think maybe two or three Masters titles. Uh, which is not like, I mean, it's great. But for his level and yeah. for all of that kind of stuff, I feel like it should have been more. But even without that, like this guy was like, under the radar the entire his entire life like he can walk on the street and people he has as much money as all the other guys yeah but he's able to walk on the street and just like live his life yeah it's nice and like if i could have one person's career it would it would be burdick and uh and you know there wasn't like that much hype around him the guys like shelton or i don't know alcaraz alcaraz like there's so much hype and there's so much pressure and like you know a guy like rude for example there's not a lot of like press on him because like he's Norwegian, doesn't have great as charismatic personality. One player that I feel like should be doing better and isn't is Karenia Busta. He hasn't played. He hasn't played in months. Oh, he's been injured. Yeah. Ah. He's been withdrawing from everything. He wasn't in Roland Garros. He he's withdrawn from all these grass. I think he withdrew from Wimbledon too. The guy who I love. Of course, everyone has different play styles, right? They get some people get super hype when they win a point. Some people don't. Like Shapovalov, every time he wins a point, he gives a little like racket. Like so does so does Alcaraz. Rusevori, I cold blooded forty four. Yeah, nothing ever. He loses, he wins, same thing every time. He goes out to every single tournament. I don't know the last time he missed a tournament from injury, if ever. But he'll lose first round consistently every time. <laughs> second, first, second, third round. I he, he's zero for four in fi- ATP finals matches. Mm-hmm. 
which is like that's kind of the like, nerves got to him oh actually to go back to a previous question the most disappointing player Felix yeah I mean he won three in a row last year and then titles yeah and then now he I read something where they said he just worked his body so much last year grinding back to back to back to back to back tournaments and he's injured now because Mm -hmm. he can't he can't keep it up you can't you know uh I mean, that's one thing to learn from, like, the best guys. Like, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, they're always very selective. Which they play, off, yeah. And they're only playing 17 to 22, 23 tournaments a year. Whereas, like, the other guys were, like, pushing 50. 30. 30. 30. 30, 35. 35. Like, they're pushing so How many are there? To, how many are there, yeah. Uh, I, there's probably, like, 40... I'd well, say, so, like, some of them are in the same week, though, of course, right? Yeah, I'd say there's, like, maybe 45 weeks of tournaments. Something like that around across the around the year, like December it dies down. December is kind of like the off season, so that's four weeks right there. And then even I mean first week of January they're jumping in. There's like the ATP Cup or not the ATP Cup, the NATO, the like the World Cup thing, yeah. the new tournament that they're doing. Like NATO, I think right. NATO, uh, yeah, but that's only for the top eight. After that, the the rest of the season kind of dies. Uh, what? There's a new rule that nobody has been talking about. Okay. And the coaches? No. And and it has to do with the two tours, the WTA and the ATP. Okay. And I think that people should be talking about this. If they want to talk about uh, the, the equality and the gender equality in sports and stuff like that, which I think is completely hypocritical by the associations, what they're doing right now. For example, w, WTA... They are not allowing top players to play certain 250s. I saw that, yeah. And to give, like, an opportunity to other players to jump in and and make their way. But on the other side, they're making it mandatory for the top players to play these smaller tournaments to drive uh, audience into them. And so, like, you know, a guy like Djokovic, I don't know if this really applies to Djokovic but like some of the other guys like they'd rather take the week off than play a 250 yeah because Djokovic you know let's use Djokovic for example Djokovic is focused on just showing up for the big tournaments he doesn't want to waste his time his energy risk getting injured doesn't need the money but the ATP is making them play these small tournaments and I think that's really hypocritical between the ATP and the WTA to not allow top WTA players to play in these smaller tournaments but then make it for the top ATP players to play in these small tournaments. Yeah. And that's like a very subtle thing that nobody has been talking about. And it's, I mean, hypocritical. If you want to talk about, you know, being treated the same, having the same uh, pain, all of these kind of stuff, you got to have the same rules between it. You can't lock players out of other ones and then make other players go to it. That just doesn't make sense if we're talking about equality. I don't know. I don't really follow WTA that much, but mm-hmm. I know Katie Bolter, who's mm-hmm. dating Demonor, is the British number one, and she's ranked seventy-seven. That's bad. Every, I mean, on on the women's tour, I feel like uh, it's really heavily dominated by Eastern Europeans, and uh, and to add to that, it's like 
they have no other option. It's either go pro, like dead, like literally throw everything on the line and go pro, because a lot of them are like come from poor uh, countries and families and stuff like that. So it's either go pro or live this super basic life. You you know and about like everybody is going after it and you uh, yeah. You, this girl, uh, Amir Andreva, I think is her name. Andreva. She's Andreva. Yeah, you know her? I heard the name. She's 16. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's going crazy. She's top 100 now. She almost beat Goff in the... Listen, I don't want to talk about 16-year-olds because let's you see Let's see know. where they're at in four years when they're 20. Like, Let's see. If they're still in the top, good for them. But if they're not, which honestly I would say is more likely than not, we'll see, you know, we just got to see how it plays how, out. though? Won't they only get better? Like, what ATP people are young, were young who, who, who made it? I mean, Alcaraz? We can't, I wouldn't speak about Alcaraz just yet. See, like, this is our biggest we, disconnect, right? Because I think Alcaraz is winning 30 grand slams. I, that, that's what I think. He is a Djokovic guy. Oh, Djokovic, you know, which is fine. It's good to agree. No, we to just need to see it. Look, we need yes, we need to see yes. He he could have a career-ending injury in Wimbledon. I see. Oh my God! It's my cat. I see. No, I agree with you that Alcaraz can win, can break the records because the biggest issue that the last twenty years has faced was that everything was being split between three guys. Yeah. You know these like super dominant guys. Now that you have one dominant guy, he's able to collect all of these tournaments. That aren't, that weren't initially distributed into three guys, and it could be focused on one guy. But he still needs to be that dominant. Yeah. And we have to see if you know he like he won U.S. Open and then he didn't play Australian Open. Well, if yeah, that's gonna yeah, be his yeah. career, like he needs to be winning consistently, like at least two a year. Yeah, I mean and, he does. Well, Who do you think has the best one-handed backhand on tour? Cats of the pod. Best one-handed backhand on tour, I still give it to Vavrinka. Really? Okay. I still give it to Vavrinka. This the way once he plants that right foot, you don't know if it's going down the line, if it's going cross court, if yeah. like, you know, he, the way he's able to generate so much power, and spin out of like every single position on court is still I think is the best right now. Even though he's a little bit older and his like his he's movement, he's a big guy. He's he's stocky, but I remember I was a ball boy for U.S. Open, and I ball boy for Vavrinka, one uh, one time when he was playing against uh, Hyun Chung. Remember that guy, yeah. a Korean dude. Yeah, Which yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. what happened to him. He fell off. Probably he got injured, and I I don't know what happened after that. But I remember, I was to watch. I was watching Vavrinka like on the court hit some backhands. And he would hit these like backhand cross courts with so much power and so much angle. And I just couldn't believe like, how is he getting so much power and so much angle out of it? And it was like that spin and like, and I don't even know how he did it. Like he would, he would rip it cross court and it'd be bouncing like before the service line and just completely pulling the guy off court and then, you know, setting it up for the next shot. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, I have never seen so much, uh, 
just so much power and so much angle. I'm like, how how does the how does how, how does the physics even like yeah. make sense yeah. at that point? Like it should be going out, but like it, it keeps on dropping in. So like he he he's got like one of those where, and I remember watching him like, uh, especially like uh, when he was playing Djokovic in the Australian Open like years ago, 2016, 2015, and he was just like ripping these four, these backhands. But one thing I have to say about one-handed backhands on tour. I would say they're all incredible and they need to be incredible because if you have an average one-handed backhand, you're going to be you're going to be taken down. Yeah. Two hands is going to beat you every single Michael day of the week. Gasca. He has a great backhand. My last point, keep an eye out for Jun Cheng Shang. He's ranked 170 something right now. He's a young guy, young Chinese guy. And he's gonna be he's gonna be good. Wait for it. He's he's young. He's gonna be good. I'm surprised China doesn't have more players coming out of it. The way they treat like ping pong, yeah. table tennis over there, where they literally. I was doing PT for a couple of years, and and the guy who was working with me was from China, and the government literally goes to schools. Every single school around the country, they have a tournament at these schools. And the, and the kid who wins it, they literally take them away from the school and the family from everything and start training them at the academy. And this is why China has such good uh, table tennis players. You know, with that kind of mentality, they should be banging out more top players, especially with the amount of people that are in this country as well. Looking like Serbia, to have number one guy in Serbia, and like the, the population is like 10% of China. I feel like they should, they should have some more. That concludes it for this episode of the Tipsy Tennis Podcast. If you enjoyed our talk about professional tennis and our hot takes on it, please let me know. This is the first time that I've really done it. Every other episode has been a highlight on my guest. Uh, But this is a more, I would say, broader episode to appeal to the masses. It's something that I wasn't really originally planning on doing just because there's so many people out there right now giving their hot takes and I don't want to be one of them however I think this was a really fun really cool episode got a lot of we talked a lot we talked about a lot of different players yeah it was really good do you have anything left in your anything no nothing all right we'll we'll do a cheers anyway the tipsy tennis on top on top soon on the count of three, we're going to say uh, stay tipsy. Ready? One, two, three. Stay, stay tipsy. tipsy.